I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 444. and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Did you catch Friday's bonus episode with Ben Fuller? Uh, Ben has a powerful anthem, Who I Am, that you're probably hearing on the radio these days. And I had the privilege of interviewing Ben on a special Friday with Friends edition. So if you missed it, check it out at michellenizat.com forward slash Ben Fuller. But on Friday, we talked about his faith journey and another song on the album, Proud. And that's the song that we're going to use as a launching point to dive into scripture today. So before we do that, Let's listen. Making my father proud looks a whole lot different now. It ain't about the man that I call dad who I can never figure out. It's about knowing whose son I really am and knowing he's my biggest fan. It's a kind of love that makes my world revolve around. Making my father proud. This song got me on a very personal level that I talk about in the Friday with Friends episode. The lyrics reflect part of my story growing up in such specific ways that I nearly started crying the first time I heard it. I just couldn't shake this idea of making my capital F father proud. Now, I don't know your story, and hopefully you have or have or had a great earthly father. I hope that he reflected God's love in a beautiful way in your life. Statistically speaking, though, chances are your earthly father failed on many levels, if you even know who he is. So I don't know who my biological father is, but my story reflects a stepdad who loved me as best as he could. He taught me the value of hard work and living an honorable life. He provided for my mom and me, and he loved her deeply, Uh, but he also called me names. And he didn't think I should speak unless spoken to. He offered conditional love. He drank too much and he ultimately took his own life. But the greater testimony of my life is that I've known my heavenly father my entire life. He too encouraged hard work and living an honorable life and gave me a better example to follow in his revealed word. He, too, provided for my mom and me and loves us both deeply, even when my mom completely rejected him for the majority of her adult life. He calls me names, too, uh, but instead of saying I wasn't fit to be a human being, my Heavenly Father tells me I'm worth dying for and has called me names like Chosen and Child and Mine. And my Heavenly Father wants me to talk to him, but even if I don't, he doesn't stop talking to me. 
I don't exchange good grades and better handwriting for love with my Heavenly Father. Uh, No, his love is unconditional. In fact, he designed it that way so that I couldn't say that I had anything to do with it, Uh, meaning I can't earn it and I can't do anything to lose it. And my Heavenly Father never missed an award ceremony or a birthday party. He was ever present and he lives forever. Now, our lyrics say, it's all about knowing whose son I really am and knowing he's my biggest fan. It's a kind of love that makes my world revolve around making my father proud. So this song got me thinking about what scripture says makes my heavenly father proud because for all the effort I made to make that bitter old man I grew up with proud, why wouldn't I want to please my heavenly father a thousand times more? And scripture does talk about living a life that pleases God. So we're ba- we're going to barely scratch the surface this week, but maybe I'll get your curiosity up so that you will dive into scripture for yourself. Now, our theme verse comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, and it says this, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. All right, so we're going to spend some time this week interacting with the context of this verse, the immediate context. But at first, I want to point out that Paul is indicating here that there is a way to please God, and that is to walk in the manner that he taught. And so what does that mean for us? Where do we find what the apostles taught believers in Christ? Well, we find it in God's word. So we please God by obeying the instructions of the apostles, which, by the way, is based on the whole of Scripture and the teaching of Christ himself. So we please God by obeying God's word preserved for us through the Holy Scriptures. This is the positive side of the coin. The other side says there is a way to walk that does not please God. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 8 says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We cannot please God when we walk in the flesh. So what does it look like to walk in the flesh? We just have to read that verse in Romans in the direct context of the verses around it. So I'm going to jump back to verse 5. And it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we see here that the opposite of walking in the flesh is to walk in the spirit or live according to the spirit. And this is capital S spirit here. So meaning the Holy Spirit. But what is our hope in all of this? Well, if we keep reading, we find it beginning in verse 9. It says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 
So if we belong to Christ, I wish we could spend more time in that verse because I love it. It's one of my favorites. But if we belong to Christ, we have the spirit of Christ within us. And if we live according to the spirit, then we will not be walking according to the flesh, but rather according to the spirit. You can't do both at the same time. So if you're looking for some Bible interaction tool exercises this week, I call them bites for short. Start with my favorite. Read in context. And when it comes to a short letter like 1 Thessalonians, I encourage you to read all five chapters. Now, when I consult an introduction to this letter from Paul to the Thessalonians, which is another bite, by the way, use those resources that you have available to you. If you have a study Bible, there should be a little introduction in there that gives you some insight and some like broad generalizations about what you're getting ready to read. Uh, But here's what mine says. Paul wrote this letter to encourage new believers in their faith, to exhort them to godly living, to give them assurance about the eternal state of believers who had died, and to defend the integrity of his ministry as an apostle. So we're really going to focus in on that godly living portion of his letter to the Thessalonians. Godly living is what we're after, since that is what pleases our Heavenly Father. Now, once you read or listen to the entire letter to the Thessalonians, then we can begin focusing in on the beginning of chapter four um, and that whole first section there. That's another bite that I slipped in there, by the way, which is to listen to an audio version of the text. This is a great way to take in an entire book of the Bible before pulling out um, either a, a text copy and other resources, notebooks, pens, pads, papers, all that to study deeper. So in 1 Thessalonians 4, we see Paul unpacking a few specifics of how to walk in a manner that pleases God. So let's read. Um, let's start in, in verse 1. And I'm going to read through verse 8. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus. That's what we, this is our theme verse. That as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So let's take the bite of making some observations of the text. I'm going to give you a few that jump out at me, uh, but you will be able to discover so much more when you read it for yourself. So I used another bite of making a list, and this is a list of things that I want to meditate on or explore further as I read this section. So I wrote down, ask and urge. Um, This seems to be sort of like an emphasis, uh, but I'm going to take the bite of consulting an outside resource to see if I can get clarity. For me, this is going to be a commentary, uh, but you could see if your study notes in a study Bible speak to it or consult a trusted commentary if you have access to one. Please don't Google it, uh, but ask and urge. I'm going to share some insight that I found on that. Sanctification, uh, I put that on my list because I often need a primer as to what that means exactly and what that looks like. It's a word that gets used a lot, but I want to make sure that I'm understanding it. My next thing on the list is God is described as an avenger. 
uh, Marvel images aside, I'm asking myself, what does that mean? And then I put the contrast between impurity and holiness. So those are just a few things I threw on a list that I want to explore for further or meditate on. So let's take that first point of Paul um, and friends asking and urging. He's asking and urging. And I consulted a commentary by Grant Osborne, First and Second Thessalonians, verse by verse. And it says um, that this is, and scholars call this an appeal formula. And it's used in letters of friendship to gently instruct disciples who are open and ready for teaching. So it's like Paul saying, hey, friend, listen up. This is really important. And then um, as you continue to read, adds, the authority of Christ by reminding them that their that their instructions come from Christ. So he is asking and urging. First Thessalonians. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So you kind of see this asking and urging and and what's happening there. Now let's move on to sanctification. So I'm reminded that sanctification is the process of becoming holy or becoming more and more holy. I, I once heard a speaker say that when you come to a decision in life, especially where it seems like you are trying to decide between two good options, then choose the path that leads to greater holiness. In this letter, however, Paul is putting his thumb on something that was halting the process of sanctification in the lives of his readers. So when Paul says to abstain from sexual immorality, he is saying to avoid it. In fact, that Greek word carries with it the idea of distance. Like, don't even get close to it. This is God's will for you. Um, exalting Jesus in First and Second Thessalonians by Mark Howell is another resource that I use this week. And he says, Thessalonica was a sex-saturated city. Much like the world today, the Greco-Roman world viewed sex as simply another biological function like eating or drinking. When you were hungry, you ate. And when you were thirsty, you drank. In the same way, when you craved sex, you had sex. No restrictions, no guilt. It was simply accepted, and it was readily available if you desired it. The Thessalonians were immersed in this culture, and doubtlessly, some of those who followed Christ were former participants in this culture. And then he also points out that the world is a sex, the, our world today is sex saturated. Every day we are exposed to a myriad of alluring enticements that make up the culture. And it's no accident that pornography, for example, is a $50 billion industry. So I think we can see that there's some parallels between what's happening in this culture for the Thessalonians and our culture today. So if you want to walk in a way that pleases God, you must put distance between yourself and sexual immorality, all kinds, the kind that you're disgusted by and the kinds that you are tempted to excuse, which leads me to my next observation point on my list. So scripture here in First Thessalonians says God is an avenger in all these things. So I took the bite of completing a word study at least seeing what this Greek word means. So I just kind of, um, you can go on biblehub.com and you can look up the word in the Greek and you can see like other words or definitions that might show up for that. And the Greek word for avenger is just what you would think. 
a justice giver or a punisher. So God is an avenger. He's a justice giver and a punisher as it relates to this topic of sexual immorality. It's a big deal to him. So much so that Paul says this, we told you beforehand. And he also says, we solemnly warned you. These are all things that that should be uh, bright red flags for us that we should pay attention as we're studying this scripture. And in verse eight, it says, therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So if you turn away from holiness toward this area, you are not just regarding, uh, you're not just disregarding Paul's words. You're not just disregarding this podcast. You are disregarding God who gave his Holy Spirit to you. The very presence of God lives in you and you are subjecting him to this impurity. But take heart because this is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and he is powerful to save you from this sin that so easily entangles you. He will give you the strength to walk according to the spirit in a way that is pleasing to God. So my final point is related to the rest, but it is to uh, meditate on the contrast between impurity and and holiness. And John Stott said, some Christians sow to the flesh every day and wonder why they do not reap holiness. Holiness is a harvest. Whether we reap it or not depends almost entirely on what and where we sow. (laughs) So as we distance ourselves from sexual immorality, let's be sure to increase in holiness. And this is an attribute of God and we can move toward it by moving away from impurity. We can look closely at God and his ways and walk that way. And again, that is our sanctification. So let's hop back to the letter uh, to the Romans. And Paul uses this illustration of slavery to help his readers understand this idea in Romans chapter six, verse 19. He says, because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. So becoming a slave to righteous living is what pleases God and puts us on a path to greater holiness. All right, there are a few more verses in this focus section of 1 Thessalonians that I want to end with because it paints a practical picture of moving away from impurity and toward holiness. So in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 9, it says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outside and be dependent on no one. All right, so what are the steps? Well, let's make another list. Uh, it's, it includes love one another, which is to say other believers, aspire to live quietly, which I chuckled at because my oldest daughter says that a lot. Like when she wants to be like that, she'll say, oh, I aspire. You know, she'll see a cute uh, family. Oh, I aspire or uh, um, something like that. So aspire to live quietly. Mind your own affairs, which is just a nice way of saying mind your business. Uh, Work with your hands, which means that you walk properly before outsiders and you won't be dependent on others. So how practical and 
how hard are some of those steps? So we've been taught by God to love one another, and he means the hard relationships too. This leads to greater holiness and moves us away from impurity. Living quietly and minding our own business moves moves us away from impurity and toward greater holiness. Working hard to provide for ourselves and our families, it's honorable, and it moves us away from impurity and toward greater holiness. But what really struck me were the words that were repeated at the beginning of this section and this last section, this last section. It's like a decorative bookend. So it's got the word urge is in the beginning and the end. And the phrase do this more and more is at the beginning and at the end. So if you're picturing bookends on the left, we see Paul urging us to please God more and more. And on the right, we see Paul urging us to love one another more and more. Hmm. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> the great commandment, the red letters of Jesus, when he tells us to love God and love people. These are the bookends of our focused study today. So what's next? Well, read or listen to all of First Thessalonians and then go study and interact with verses 1 through 12 of chapter 4. Make note of things that jump out at you. Define words. Compare and contrast. Follow cross-references. Meditate on truths that you uncover. And whatever you have to do in your life, distance yourself from sexual immorality because we know that will make our Father proud. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneezat or on Facebook. Michelle L. Nizat is my public Facebook page. Let's talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. Check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And I would be honored if you followed the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. But if you sign up on my website at michellekneezat.com, then I'm able to email you once a week with the show notes, with all the scriptures I used, links to all the resources that I used in my personal study. And you would not have missed that I had a special episode that came out on Friday because I emailed everybody on my email list. Now, my featured free resource for email subscribers this week is an archive of my interactive worksheets that I've created for various podcasts over the years. You can find them all in one place with an archive that I've created, and you will gain exclusive access to that archive when you subscribe to my email list at michellenizat.com. Now, with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers like Sheila from Texas and Ruth from California, Melanie from Hawaii, Kevin from Illinois, Rachel from Ohio, Dawn from Hawaii, and Leanne from Alabama. Welcome. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellenizat.com. Through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, you can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, would you do that for me today by heading over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be featuring New Creation by Mac Powell to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 444. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.